Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Spiropoulos. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. This is the 94 Feet Report on Blog Talk Radio and All in Sports Talk Radio Network. Uh, I'm currently a writer at the Dream Shake on SB Nation and an analyst for NBA Lead. That's where you can find my other work. Um, And I'd like to remind you that this show... And all shows of the 94 Feet Report are brought to you by Fan Essentials. Fan Essentials is a great monthly subscription service that provides you uh, with a box of your favorite team's gear each month shipped right to your door. You can choose your favorite team from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and I think MLS is coming up as well. Um, You choose your team, choose your subscription package, and each month a box of your favorite team's gear is shipped right to your door. And in fact, if you use the promo code 94FEET, that's the number 9 and number 4 in all caps, FEET, you get 30% off your first month of Fan Essentials. We're continuing our division previews here on the 94FEET Report. This week, we'll be doing the Northwest Division and the Central Division, and and doing so, we'll be completing all of our divisional previews. Joining us today is Oklahoma City Thunder fan. He's been on this podcast multiple times over the summer. Alex Sparopoulos. Alex, how are you doing today? Good, Eric. Thanks for having me again. Glad to be back, of course. All right, let's get into the Northwest Division. Uh, If you guys have not listened to our previous episodes or not familiar with the structure of these previews, we go team by team based on how I think they will finish, and Alex might have a different order than me, Um, but we'll go team by team, give a grade for their offseason, talk about the offseason, talk about where the team is right now, you know, the current status of the team, some intriguing storylines for the season then we will project a record and then give a fantasy stud and a fantasy bust and i must remind you that these terms are used very loosely Um, so a stud is not necessarily the best player though oftentimes it is and a bust is necessarily someone who's going to be terrible just someone who might underperform or stuff like that so alex are we ready to preview the northwest division here all right let's get into it the first team i have is the Portland Trailblazers. Um, so I guess what we can do, Alex, is we can uh, go by our order. So my first team, your first team, my second team, your second team, just in case it is different. Um, so my first team is the Portland Trailblazers. I gave them a B- minus for the offseason. Um, I didn't like their Evan Turner signing. When we had our podcast episodes over the summer, we both didn't like Portland's offseason. Um, um and I thought that Portland also overpaid a lot of their bench guys, like Alan Crabb and Mo Harkless. Um, and then, you know, combining that with an expensive contract for Evan Turner, I just didn't like those moves. Um, I thought the Festus Azili signing was a nice, low-risk move who provides some depth and could possibly start if Plumlee gets hurt. I thought that was a good move. Um, 
But the thing with the Blazers is that, you know, a lot of people are, I've seen a lot of people projecting them for 50 wins or 50 plus wins. The team overperformed last season. So they won 44 games last season. That was a very successful season, but they should have been bounced out in the first round um, to the Clippers if the Clippers didn't get hurt. So, I mean, you take a team that won 44 games last year and should have lost in the first round and their main off-season additions are Evan Turner and Festus Azili. Um, you know, the West, I mean, besides the Thunder, arguably got stronger. Like, teams like the Jazz and the Grizzlies are healthy again. So I don't know why people are projecting the Blazers to win 50-plus games. I don't really see that that much by them. Um, I think that they can improve in a kind of minor, in a minor way, but they're not going to jump from 44 wins to 50-plus wins because of Evan Turner and Festus Azili. Um also, I think that a lot of teams were caught off guard by the Blazers last season. So, you know, um, that's why I have the Blazers. You know, I'm kind of, you know, shitting on the Blazers right now, but I have them with a projected record of 47 and 35 and winning the division. Um, so I think they're going to improve by, you know, three wins realistically based on their offseason and based on how the West got stronger. My fantasy stud for this team is Damian Lillard. Um, I just think that, you know, he's the surefire stud on this team. Everyone else kind of has, like, a minor role or knows what they're doing. I was going to pick C.J. McCollum, but I actually think C.J. McCollum is more of a bust this year. I think he's going to either have the same production or underperform a little bit, and he isn't that great of a fantasy player to begin with. So I have Damian Lillard as my stud. And my bust, I think, is Evan Turner because, you know, we don't know what his role is going to be. Is he going to start? Is he going to be a sixth man? Is Alan Crabb going to start? I mean, Turner got a big contract, but Crabb got just as big a contract. There's Mo Harkless who's there. Um, Al Camino can play small forward, even though they're going to probably play him more power forward. So I don't know what Turner's role is, and I think if you're going to try and target for Turner, it should be in the late rounds of a draft only. Um, so, yeah, that's my kind of my Blazers take. Um, who's your first team in the division? And then you can kind of explain why in the same order. Actually disagreed. I said that the Utah Jazz are going to win the Northwest Division this year, um, in sort of a surprise um, upset or um, the development. But I have the Blazers coming in second, and I have them just marginally less than you had them in their win total. I have them at forty-five and thirty-seven. Um, I think that a lot of the reason that they got forty-four wins last year was because of the uh, outstanding and to many people's opinion, shocking play of Damian Lillard. Like, he really outperformed his expectations, and I'm not sure if he's going to be able to continue that level of play. I still think he's a great player, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to continue um, um, at that pace that he did last year. Um, and that being said, I like I agree, like I said before on this podcast, that I really did not like a lot of the moves that the Blazers made in the offseason. Um, I think that they overpaid for Alan Crabb. I think that um, they also did not need to bring in Alan Crabb and Turner, and that it, the moves don't really make sense. They locked up a lot of money and players that I don't think are going to help the team develop and actually compete for a Western Conference title. Yeah, I read that they're going to be in heavy in the luxury tax next season, yes. like one of the top three teams in the luxury tax for this team that is essentially, I think, a first-round playoff like at best. Right, and like this is a team that, it, although Portland has a dedicated fan base, it's not a big market, so they're not, you know, they don't have a, a lot of influx of money coming into sort of like they're not a Lakers or a Knicks who have that big market name and can sort of afford to sort of pay the luxury tax in order to compete. So I'm, I, I mean, I was really questioning why and what the 
Blazers um, organization was doing when they went on and did these moves. I just don't think it's going to help them improve that much. I think that actually the most improved team will be the well, not the most improved team, but the team that will improve and win the division will be Utah Jazz with the Blazers sort of staying pat and the Thunder obviously losing Durant. Um, so I think the Utah Jazz is actually going to win the division, not by much. I think they're going to be 47 and 35, but I like a lot of the moves that they did there. Uh, Hill, Diao, I think Hayward's going to play well because it's his contract year. So I think that he's going to, those players are going to be able to form a, a good chemistry as well as the development of like people like um, like uh, like uh, uh, favors and um, you know you get they got rid of some of the pieces and like Trey Burke who I think was not a positive influence on the team. So I have Jazz in first. I'm just gonna run through quickly. I have Jazz first, Blazers second, Thunder third, um, Minnesota fourth, and then Nuggets fifth. Yeah, I mean I'm really high on the Jazz too. Um... I've been talking about them for the whole offseason. I loved their offseason. I think they had one of the best offseasons. I mean, I don't really count Golden State, but um, they had one of the best offseasons. The only thing is that um, I was pretty sure I was going to pick the Jazz second um, just because that team, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about their injury concerns, and it just came out yesterday that Gordon Hayward's going to be missing the first six, anywhere from six to eight weeks because of that broken finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he might not be back you know, until late November, and that's the first month of the season. And, you know, I'm not saying the Jazz are going to fall behind a lot, but you never know. I mean, if they have another injury because Gobert and Favors have struggled with injuries over the past couple of seasons, then, you know, they're an injury or two away from from kind of missing the playoffs. I think the Jazz are going to make the playoffs. Um, I'll just do my rundown. So, obviously, I have the Blazers first. I have Thunder second, uh, Jazz third, Wolves fourth, and the Nuggets fifth. so I'll just get into my my second team now, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I gave them a C for the offseason. Obviously, we all know they lost KD, but I think they had a nice return in that Abaca deal. And then get, getting the Westbrook extension done was, was another big part of the offseason and moving forward for the team. Um, the thing is that there are a couple questions with the Thunder. Obviously, they lost KD, so the question is, like, you know, what is, what's going on post-KD? You know, it's the Russell Westbrook show, but he's got to involve other p- players now. He's got Oladipo now. He's actually got a nice, solid backcourt mate. Um, Steven Adams has developed and become a, a good, legitimate big man in this league. They still got Enos Kanter. Small forward is a weakness. Um, but the thing is that they have Sabonis, and uh, I think it's Alex Abrines. Um, and the thing is that can they contribute? I mean, they're probably going to have to contribute. Of course, they got Ilya Silver back for in that Ibaka deal, but, I mean, if Ilya Silver plays like he has the past couple seasons, they're going to probably be relying on Sabonis a little bit more. Um, and then, you know, their small forward is a problem. It's, is, is it going to be singular starting? Can they move Roberson there? Um, the small forward's obviously the weakest link of the, of the starting lineup. Um, and I guess the real question or storyline about this team is, you know, is, it's the Westbrook show. We know that. But will that lead to wins? Will that lead to enough wins for, one, Westbrook to garner MVP, serious MVP considerations? Um, and, two, you know, will that lead to the Thunder being a solidified playoff team? Um, so with that being said, um, I have the Thunder actually just losing out on the division by one game. I have them at 46 and 36. Um, my stud is Westbrook. I mean, I could have. I think Oladipo is actually going to be an underrated stud. Um, I think Oladipo 
in terms of fantasy drafts. If you target him for the second round, I think you're going to get a great return on him. He's got a big role now. He's the, sec- he's the second go-to guy in Oklahoma City. He should benefit from Westbrook garnering so much attention that Old Depot gets some open shots and stuff like that. Uh, I think he's just in a better situation fantasy-wise and career-wise in OKC. So I have... I have Westbrook as a stud, but you could easily go to Oladipo as well. Um, and then I guess for a bust, I really couldn't pick one out. I mean, if you're going to try and consider a bust, it might be Cantor, only because I'm not sure exactly what his role is going to be. They could start him at the four, or yeah. they could bring him off the bench. I think it'd be nice to have him off the bench, actually, so he can kind of lead that second unit and be the go-to guy in the second unit. But I didn't really have a bust written down in my notes, but I guess thinking about it right now, I, I guess the only person I would consider is Cantor. Um in terms of someone, because there aren't many players you're going to draft from the Thunder besides, you know, Westbrook, Adams, Cantor, Oladipo. You're not going to draft their small forward, you know, Kyle Singler, Andre Robinson doesn't really contribute fantasy-wise. So I think Cantor would be a potential bust, but I really wouldn't consider him that much because you know what you're going to get from Cantor anyway. So I have the Thunder second in the division, 46 and 36, really only losing out by a game. Um, so who's your, let's say, you can talk about the Thunder, you can talk about your se- second team in your divisional preview. Sure. So we already talked about the Blazers. So that they, I have the Blazers at two, and I have the Thunder at the, in a third um, spot in the division, uh, finishing with a 44 and 38 um, record. So obviously dropping 11 games from last year's win total, and mostly, and then greatly and partly due to the loss of Durant. Um, like you said, I think that there's a lot of question marks. A lot of of how the Thunder are going to play this year is going to be is to be determined and how Billy Donovan is sort of going to set up the lineup like you said who's going to play the four and what role is um, someone like um, Ebrin is going to have or where is um, Cantor going to play and what is Ilya Silver going to factor into the lineup so I think that although I think Billy Donovan's going to take a step forward in his coaching ability, and obviously his game planning for the opposing teams is going to be easier because you know Westbrook is going to be filling in for a lot of the shots that Durant took last year. Um, in terms of fantasy, I think that obviously I, I think that Westbrook is going to be the number one player this year in fantasy um, and for several years to come going forward. I think that an, an, an interesting player is Steven Adams. I think that during last year's playoffs, you saw Steven Adams sort of develop his game more um, into a degree that I think that if he can carry it over to this year, even more so with the, you know, they have to fill in offensive possessions with Tarrant not shooting the ball. I think that Adams could easily become um, a consistent double-double player um, and he shoots a fairly high percentage given that his most of his shots come within uh, five feet of the basket. So mm-hmm. I'd say that if you can, you could target Stephen Adams. Um, I, I don't know off the top of my head where he's going in drafts, but I can't imagine it's very high considering that the offense is Westbrook-centric. Um, and then obviously, like you said, Oladipo provides a good boost, and he is definitely going to contribute to the team in multifaceted ways because you know you can't have Westbrook um, driving in and taking his like famous uh, 17-foot like pull-up jumpers every possession of the game. So he's going to factor in. I think the Thunder will probably end up having to learn how to pass the ball a little bit better. Um, last year, you know, they played those like the gladiator offense with the the one-on-ones and the just the no one only one person touching the ball in a possession. So I think the Thunder are going to obviously drop down. I still think they're going to be a playoff team. I see them probably like in a six or a seven seed. Um, I actually have four of these, all four of the five teams in the division making a playoff. Some um, Minnesota sneaking in probably in, in the eighth spot. Interesting. Um, we can talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that they're probably going to be around in the A spot. So I think that the Thunder are going to, you know, they're obviously going to struggle because there's players are going to have to step up into different roles. And I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I have faith in Billy Donovan because he showed a, gr- a great deal of potential as a coach in his first year. So I think that going forward, if Billy Donovan can sort of make a game plan that suits the the quality and the characteristics of the players that are on the roster, that he can obviously make this team a winning team and a playoff team. I'm not sure how far in the playoffs that's to be determined, and a lot of it's going to be based on how Westbrook is playing throughout the year. Yeah, I mean, Donovan showed great, great growth as a coach in the playoffs. Oftentimes, many people were easily considering that he was out coaching Steve Kerr, which got them to that 3-1 lead. Um, and then, of course, as you mentioned, that kind of gladiator isolation offense has basically been the main concern of the Thunder teams in, during KD and Westbrook's reign there when Scott Brooks was coach. Um, uh, oftentimes, Brooks was heavily criticized for not having any offensive game plan, especially in crunch time. At times last year, Donovan attempted to kind of make a game plan, but then oftentimes in the playoffs, they would just go back to the isolation because it was kind of natural instinct. Now, I mean, they can do Westbrook isolation, but now really there's going to be heavy pressure to create a nice offensive system that combines Westbrook and Oladipo on the backcourt and then Steven Adams in the frontcourt. Also, I think that it's very important that Westbrook and Steven Adams kind of continue to develop that great relationship in the pick and roll. Um, Yes. We all know, you know, Sam Presti is just loving how great uh, Steve Adams has developed. It's the only saving grace of that James Harden deal. So um, Adams' development is also a nice place, a nice something to watch throughout the season. And I also think he could be a fantasy stud, especially because his free throws aren't disastrous like other big men. Um, So, I mean, when I did a Rockets preview, I I think that Clint Capella is going to jump up um, a lot. But his free throws are disastrous, so you can't take him in roto leagues. You can really only take him in head-to-head leagues when you're punting free throw percentage. But Steven Adams, if you build your team the right way through the first couple of rounds, you can take Steven Adams without killing your free throw percentage, which is is very crucial for a big man. Um, All right, let's move on to my third team. Um, You talked about them a little bit um, as you have them winning the division. But I have the Utah Jazz. I mean, I really can't explain. I can't say how much I love their offseason. I think it was just. Per, I think it was a really perfect offseason for this team. Um, you know, there's no, there's no really sexy moves, but you know, if you really know the NBA and you know the Jazz and their kind of franchise timeline, how their young players are kind of starting to hit their prime soon, this was a really great offseason. Um, the Jazz really, most people basically say they should have been the A seed last year, but they had a couple of really bad losses towards the end of the season. And, and of course, they battled through a lot of injuries last year. So if they are healthy this year, a lot of people are predicting them to be comfortably in the playoffs. Some people predicting them as much as high as a top four seed. Um, I was thinking about putting them in a top four seed, but then Gordon Hayward's injury came out yesterday when I was writing my notes and doing my divisional preview. Um, And then I just was reminded about how injury prone this team actually is. but we can get that to a little bit. So their offseason, they brought in George Hill to solidify the point guard position, which had been disastrous over the past year or two. Um, they brought in Boris Dio after the Spurs needed to clear cap space for Paul Gasol. And then they added Joe Johnson as well, a nice veteran scoring presence off the bench who will actually be starting now that Hayward's out. Um, and so, obvi- and of, of course, a lot of people aren't, are forgetting that they're bringing back Dante Exum, the, the, I think the fifth pick in, in the 2014 or 2015 draft. Um, 2014 draft, yeah. Uh, so another young player that they're adding to the core who has a lot of potential. So we'll see. And so their point guard position is a lot stronger now. The only real losses they had in the offseason, you mentioned Trey Burke, who was basically put in the doghouse by Quinn Snyder last year anyways. 
and then they lost Trevor Booker to the Nets, but that's not significant. And they were obviously they more than replaced those two losses. And then you know, as I said, injuries or and health is really key for this team for Exum, for Favors, Gobert, now Hayward, now with his injury. If Hayward comes back and they don't suffer major injuries throughout the year, they're going to ex- exceed my prediction of them. Um, I have them as 45 and 37. So I have really teams one through three really close in this preview. So honestly, the Jazz could finish a game or two better than I predict them, in which case they'd win the division in my preview like you have them. So it's not like I have the Jazz third and like six games behind the Blazers. I have them two games behind the Blazers, one behind the Thunder. So, um, But they really got to stay healthy. Um Snyder is a really great young coach, um, so he's going to take that next step as a coach, I believe, in coaching this team that has a lot more veterans now, but veterans that can contribute. So if you have anything to add about the Jazz that you didn't mention before, we can you can say that uh, add that now. Yeah, I mean, I just I think that the, the Northwest Division is going to be probably the, the most closely contested division in basketball this year. And that being said, I have the Jazz, like I said, moving, improving seven games um, I think that, like you said, if they can maintain, I think that if they can maintain a solid record in the month or month and a half that Hayward is going to be gone, and then I think that they're really going to take off. Um, I think they have a very good um, defensive team anchored by Gobert. Um, I also really like Derek Favors as a player. I think that he he's very is, very uh, underrated. Yeah, it's, I think that he is a, a lot of guy that people he sort of flies under the radar in terms of his ability and skill um, since they're playing in a small market like Utah. But I think he covered it pretty well. And I, like you said, this is going to be a very close contested division. So it's not like one or two games, a slip up or a stretch of four or five bad games could really end up making you from going first and winning the division to going to third and being like a seven or eight seed. Exactly. And also I got to mention that I really – this is not related to the team, how the team's going to perform, but they really upgraded their uniforms and their court this season. It's it's fire. It is so great. They have that third, the excellent, great third alternate uniform that kind of looks like a soccer jersey, but it's great, and the new court looks great. So, you know, when you watch the Jazz this year, you won't be bored out by their uniforms or their court, um, at least, to say the least. All right, so we can move on to my fourth team in the division. I have the Timberwolves. Um, the Timberwolves are, are interesting. I mean, I'm I'm as high on them, I think, as the average person is, I guess. Um, I gave them a B-plus for the offseason. Um, so, we, you know, they brought in Tom Thibodeau as, as coach and, you know, president. Um, he's such a significant upgrade over Sam Mitchell. I mean, such an, such an upgrade. That, that in itself is, like, worth five wins as just the coaching change. Um, they obviously, we know they have a great young core in, in Wiggins, Levine, Anthony Towns, and, you know, Rubio and or Dunn. I think, you know, there's rumors about Rubio being traded. I don't see it happening, at least if he performs, you know, to where he's, where he's capable of. I don't think he'll trade him um, because Thibodeau loves playing veterans more than rookies. Um, but the thing is that I've seen a lot of people going crazy about the Timberwolves. I mean... I see a lot of people predicting them comfortably to win 42-plus games. I've seen some predictions having them at 48 wins. I just want to remind everyone, yes, they brought in Thibodeau, and yes, their young core is going to take another step, but they won 29 games last year. So, I mean, I have them at 40 wins, and that's an 11-game improvement, which I think would be one of the biggest jumps that I have in my divisional or team previews that I've done so far. I have them winning 11 more games than last year, and basically, I mean— Yes, their young core is going to take another step. Yes, they brought in Thibodeau, but their offseason wasn't that great. I mean, they brought in Cole Aldridge as basically their only significant addition. They didn't have any significant losses. I mean, 
if you count Kevin Garnett retiring, but I don't. Um, so they brought in Aldridge. They're really counting on that young core taking another step, and I think they will. But even with that young core taking another step, even with Thibodeau, I think an 11 win improvement is realistic. I see. I saw a prediction that had the Wolves at 48 wins. That's that's that's, that's them having won 20 more games this year than last year. 20 more games. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think they're gonna be 40 and 42, and they're gonna be fighting for that AC. I think the entire year. Um, but I think they're gonna miss out just because of you know inexperience. I think so. I have them at 40 and 42. My stud is Carl Anthony Towns. I think that's kind of a cheap cheap out there, but. The guy's a monster. He's just such a monster in, in real life and fantasy, etc. I think my bust, my bust is gonna be Chris Dunn. Actually, I think there's just too much hype about him, um, especially because if Thibodeau, you know, coached like the way he did in Chicago, he's gonna play his veterans, and he's gonna. Play, I guess this team doesn't have that many veterans, but Rubio is considered a, a veteran, especially on this team. And I think he's gonna play Rubio 30 plus minutes, and I, I don't think he's gonna really hand over the reins to Dunn. Uh, this season, which I think that with all the hype that Dunn's getting, I think he's going to underperform from a fantasy perspective. And before you talk about the Wolves, I just forgot that I didn't say my stud and bust for the Jazz. So my stud is, well, it's still Gordon Hayward, though I actually think that now with Hayward's injury, I'm going to put Derek Favors as the stud. Guy's really underrated from a fantasy perspective and from just an NBA uh, perspective. Yeah. My bust is going to be Gobert because I think he's going to struggle with injuries a little bit this year and like not significant ones, but nagging ones that will really take away from his ability. Um, and also he had a pretty disappointing season when he wasn't injured last year. So I think that Gobert could be a bust. So you can talk about the Wolves and you know where you have them as the record, their stud, their bust, and some things you like about this team. Sure, I only have them marginally better than you had them. I have them actually being 41 and 41, and which last year would make them the eighth seed in the West. Um, so I'm not sure how, in terms of the playoff picture, is 41 wins going to be enough to sneak in and face the Warriors in the first round. Um, but it, I think that, although, like you said, they didn't make a lot of moves in the offseason, it's basically about the development of Towns, Wiggins, and then you have players like Levine and also... Um, you know, Chris Dunn is coming in. Shabazz Muhammad is young. Um, Ricky Rubio is only 25 years old, so he's not very old, but he is one of the most experienced players on the team. So I think that, obviously, I think Carl Anthony Towns is going to do even better than he did last year. Um, I think that if you see, like, if if he if the, twi- the Timberwolves are 40, around hovering around 500, I think that you'll hear his name in terms of um, MVP t- discussions based on his stats and how much everyone's going to credit him for bringing that team an improvement of 11 or 12 games, um, which is going to be pretty tough for them to do in a very difficult Western Conference. Um, like you said, I, I think that Towns is obviously the stud of the team. I think that he is a top five, arguably top three fantasy player this year um, in single, single season leagues. Um, going for dynasty leagues, of course, is probably number one. Um, and I think that, I, I mean, there, there are, it depends on the team works out. I could see Zach Levine sort of being a bust depending on the health of Ricky Rubio and the role that Chris Dunn plays. And I don't know if Thibodeau is going to want to use Zach Levine the way he has been used in the past. Um, especially if Rubio comes back and plays well and Don has been able to prove himself in the obviously limited minutes he's going to get early on in the season. Um, so I think that the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to become, move into the four spot in a, in a division, and I think they might be able to sneak into the playoffs with a 500 record and sneak into the AC and get swept by Golden State, which would be a great learning experience for the young guys in Wiggins and Towns. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see how many wins will get you the AC. I the 41 got it last year. I think that it'll be 
it'll go up a little bit. I think it might be like 43 this year, but that's just based going off the top of my head based on what team and division previews I've already done. Mm-hmm. So uh, the final team I have and the only one team I think we have in the same position uh, in our di- divisional preview, the Denver Nuggets. I gave them a B plus for their off season actually. And we all know they really did, they didn't bring anyone in. Um, they re-signed Darrell Arthur. That's pretty much it. Um, but their draft was really good. Um, Jamal Murray was, uh, I thought, was a really nice draft pick. Um, I think Malik Beasley, and they also got Juan, uh, Juan Hernan Gomez. Um, I think that those three guys are really good prospects. They looked good. Murray and Hernan Gomez looked really good in summer league. Um, this is a young developing team. It doesn't have as much hype as the Wolves, but it has a lot of young talent. And I think it's about time everyone started boarding the Nikola Jokic hype train. Um, he's going to be really good. He's not going to be as good as Towns, but he's, you know, he can be kind of like a, he should be getting as much hype as Porzingis. And because Porzingis is in New York, he's getting a lot more hype. Jokic is really good, a really young, big, good big man. Um, and then also, I think they're going to be a little, a little bit better this year because one, I think their team will develop. The young guys will develop a little bit more. But two, Mike Malone has them competing. He had them competing last year. I think they won 34 games, and they were a pretty bad team last year who had some injuries. Uh, Wilson Chandler was out for the whole year. Gallinari missed like half the year. Um, Wilson Chandler's back. Malone always has them competing. So I have the Nuggets actually at 38 and 44. Um, so this is a really close competitive division from one to five. Um, I think the stud is Jokic. I mean, you really can't pick anyone else. I think Jokic is going to take another big step. He's going to have a really good fantasy year and just a regular, a really good season overall. The bust, I think, is Kenneth Reed because there have been a lot. Of, there's been some trade rumors that they're looking to move him. He doesn't really fit anymore in the kind of the modern NBA. He's lost that kind of tenacious, monstrous rebounding that made him such a loved, beloved player a couple years ago. Now he really can't shoot. He's not as athletic. He's not really dominating the boards. They got, they got. Not only do they have Jokic, they have Yusef Nurkic there as well. Um, and then you really can't play Farid anymore because he doesn't stretch the four, the floor as a four. Um, so I think that bust is going to be Kenneth Farid. So what do you think about the Nuggets? What do you have them with the record and their stud and bust? So I do have them improving. I have them improving three games from the 33 wins to 36 wins. So 36 and 46. Um, I think that this year is just basically going to be a development year. Um, it's uh, you know they're obviously they, the the franchise has a view in their mind of where they want to be in five years and a couple years down the road. And I think that um, you know just developing young players like Nurkic and Jokic, um, as well as Moutier and building some of the guys they got in the draft like Hernan Gomez um, and Murray is going to be important. I think that they have a nice young core um, and they're not as flashy or as like quote unquote sexy as the Minnesota Timberwolves because they don't have the number one picks in the draft and they have guys who come from overseas who are not necessarily well known or like big market guys. Um, but I think that they're, they have a talented team there and Mike Malone I think is, uh, I think he's a fairly competent coach who's going to be able to give this team a marginal improvement. I definitely don't think that they're going to be a team that anyone is going to be able to walk over, um, especially at home. And in talking about, um, obviously, studs, I think that um, I think that I would put think I would put Nurkic and Jokic there together. I think that those guys are someone that I would definitely be looking to target. I think they're both very talented. They're both very, uh, you know, one you got 6'10 and Jokic and 7'0 and Nurkic, and those are just big guys who can – can really develop into like their their own offensive capabilities this year. Um, as like you said, you mentioned the touch on him before. I think Wilson Chandler is someone I'd probably stay away from just because I'm not sure how he's going to come back from from being out for most of the year, um, and I'm not sure about how he's going to fit in and 
what type of offense is going to be run. You know, if they want to get Murray involved, if they want to get um, Danilo Gallinari, and also you're talking about players like Thorell Arthur have to factor in, Barton have to factor in. Um, and so I don't know where the possessions are going to come in for him, and I don't know if he's going to be a very – he's not a very well-rounded player, so I don't think he's going to fit in on a lot of fantasy teams. Yeah, and also with those – they have a couple of veterans like Fareed and Chandler and Gallinari, and it, a lot of people are questioning, you know, are they going to trade one or, or multiple of them to kind of give give way to the youngsters because they're kind of stuck in limbo now. They're not competing, so the veterans probably want to go to a competing team, but they also want to have that veteran experience, at least a, little, a couple of veterans, you know, to help the youngsters out. So anyways, thank you, Alex, for joining uh, for the Northwest Divisional Preview. Just to run down again, I have the Blazers in first with 47 and 35, the Thunder second, 46 and 36, the Jazz third, 45 and 37, the Wolves fourth, 40 and 42, and the Nuggets fifth, 38 and 44. If you can just give a quick recap of your divisional rundown and then say goodbye. Sure. Um, I have the Jazz winning the division with 47 wins, 35 losses. Then I got the Blazers coming in second with 45 and 37, Thunder in third, 44 and 38, um, then Minnesota in fourth with a uh, 500 record, 41 and 41, and then Nuggets bringing up the rear, 35 and 47. Um, you know, thanks for having me. Of course, I definitely say um, to the listeners that I think that the Northwest Division is going to be one of the most exciting divisions to watch. I think it's going to be the most one of the most hotly contested divisions. Um, this is not a division that's going to be clinched with 20 games to go. You're going to definitely get to see this one going down to the wire, and I think that it's going to be uh, you know one or two games. So especially those um, divisional games are going to be extra important this year, as they're all going to be vying for that division title. Yeah, it'll be a great division to watch. It'll be close. And there's a lot of young, exciting teams in this division that we're going to be watching to take the next step. All right, Alex, thank you for joining us. Have a great day. So that was Alex Sparopoulos joining us to give his take on the Northwest Division as a Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Nice to get another perspective on the show. Now we got the Central Division. I'm going to go pretty quickly. We've taken a little bit more time on the, on the Northwest, and it's going to be easy to talk about the Cavs. The Cavs, I gave them a B-plus for the offseason. You know, what else are the champs supposed to do? They lost Del Vadova, which could be more significant than people think, which makes their backup point guard spot um, probably the weakest spot in the team. Um, is LeBron James going to rest, or is he going to go for that MVP? The MVP race is wide open now that Durant went to the Warriors and kind of takes away consideration for those guys. Le- LeBron James could have a really good regular season if he wants to and, and claim another MVP, but I think he's going to rest. He knows the larger goals here. And come playoff time, you know, the Cavs should should relatively cruise to the finals again. They cruised last year, and they had a small kind of test in the Raptors in the conference finals, but overall they had two back-to-back sweeps, I'm pretty sure. So I have the Cavs going 56-26. and 26. Um, They're going to take, they're gonna play on cruise control for most of the regular season. They know what the goal is, and the goal is a championship. The stud I have is LeBron James. I really couldn't pick anyone else. Even if he's on cruise control for the season, LeBron James is still a fantasy stud, for at least this year and the next year. The bust, I think, is Kevin Love, you know, depending on where you're drafting him. Um, his role was reduced in the offseason. Um, he played well in, the, in Game 7 of the Finals. He played well in defense and rebounding, but his offensive role was reduced. Maybe it'll increase more that LeBron James is going to be more in cruise control in the off, in the regular season, but I think Kevin Love, depending on where you're drafting him, could be a bust. Number two, Indiana Pacers. I gave him a B for the offseason. I really liked some of their moves and some of the moves I was you know, a little eh on. Um, but I like their trade for Thaddeus Young. Uh, I think he fits with what their goal is now. You know, the goal now, Larry Bird says, the team wants to run. They want to be more offensive. I want to be more exciting to watch. 
Um, so they got Thaddeus Young, which fits in, and I like the Al Jefferson signing for a big man off the bench. He was a nice veteran presence for Miles Turner, who's a young developing center. But I think that George Hill is better than Jeff Teague, and George Hill would actually fit better in this team because they got ball handlers such as Monday Ellis and Paul George there. Um, so now, you know, Teague needs the ball in his hands while Hill doesn't. Hill's more of a defensive spot-up shooter. Um, so I think Hill would have fit better with this team, and I think Hill's just a better player than Teague right now. And also Frank Vogel's a better coach than Nate McMillan. Yes, Vogel doesn't fit with their, their kind of offensive-oriented goal now, and and Nate does. But just overall, if you want a team that's gonna, if you want a coach that's going to pump up your team and get the best out of his players, Frank Vogel is that guy. I'm not sure Nate McMillan is that guy. Um, yeah. So the team wants to run, be offensive. Um, in terms of off-season losses, they lost um, Solomon Hill and they lost Jan, Jan Mahimi. Is that really a big deal? They they got Al Jefferson. Um, they got Thaddeus Young for the power forward position. Obviously, they got Paul George and small forward. So I don't think Solomon Hill is going to be a huge loss. And Yami Himi, I don't think is going to be a huge loss either, and especially because those two players got big contracts for the team from the teams they went to. Um, so I think that it won't be that big of a deal that they're gone. So I have the Pacers second in the division with a projected record of 47 and 35. I'm a little bit higher on the Pacers than some people are. They seem to be a kind of a team either you're really high on the Pacers or you're pretty or you're low on the Pacers. But I'm relatively high on them. I think their stud is going to be Paul George. I mean, I think you could put Miles Turner there as well in terms of a stud, a young guy who's going to take another big step. Again, like we were talking with um, Nikola Jokic, he's not getting as much hype as he should. Miles Turner is going to be really good in this league, so he should be getting a lot more hype, maybe because he's stuck in Indiana, maybe because the Pacers already have a star in Paul George. But Miles Turner is going to be a, a really good player in this league, so he's also a stud I would consider. The bust I think I just mentioned is Jeff Teague. The guy, he needs the ball in his hands to be an effective player, especially at the point guard position, but you know they're going to use Paul George as a point forward. Monte Ellis needs the ball in his hands to create shots. I just think that Teague's going to be a little bit more of a misfit in this system, and I think that the Pacers would have been better off keeping George Hill if they wanted to build this team the way they built it. So I think that the Teague, kind of the fit of Jeff Teague in the system will make him be a bust and have him a little bit more of a reduced role, which will hurt his fantasy impact, obviously. So here I have the Pacers second in, in the Central with a record of 47-35 and 35 after I gave him a B for the offseason. In just a moment, we're going to you know preview the Pistons, who I think I'm... I'm a little bit higher on than most people. Um, so I gave the Pistons a B-plus for their offseason. I think that they had a really nice offseason. Again, like I talked about um, with the Jazz, there were no sexy moves, but there were some significant upgrades on this team, um, especially to their bench. Their bench was their weak spot last season, and they, they went out and got Ish Smith, John Lure, and, and Boban Marjanovic. That, makes, that solidifies their bench. The Reggie Jackson injury is a concern. So it just came out a couple days ago that Jackson is going to have a similar timetable to Gordon Hayward, you know, six to eight weeks. Um, he's had some knee tendonitis problems. They're a little bit concerned. They're, uh, apparently the rumor is that they're scouring the point guard market, maybe trade, maybe free agency to get someone to solidify that point guard position. Ish Smith can hold the spot down for a couple of weeks, but after that it's going to be a concern for a team that really wants to take the next step and contend. Um, but another reason I'm, I'm high on the Pistons is that um, – I think that this is a, just another year for the team to mesh. So they obviously brought in Tobias Harris in a trade last season. Um, so that they got they need another another year for that for Harris to really fit in. They finally got a bench. So many times they would go to their bench in the, in last season in the playoffs, and the bench would be horrible. They have Steve Blake as backup point guard. He's not even in the uh, league right now. So they have a solid now. 
when Reggie Jackson's healthy, they have a solid backup point guard in Ishmith. They got a stretch four in John Lure. They got a, a really big, really big, <laughs> literally and figuratively, presence in Boban Marjanovic. This team is finally built as Stan Van Gunny wants them to be. Um, so that's why I really am looking for the Pistons to take another step in their um, in their development. Um, so for Stud, you know, I had Reggie Jackson, but um, until his um, injury, I got to really kind of take him off as a, as a stud. I think that when he's healthy, he'll be the stud. So when Reggie Jackson comes back and if he stays healthy the rest of the year, I think Reggie Jackson will be the stud for this team. And obviously there's a stud that you want on your team if you're punting free throw percentage, and that is Andre Drummond. However, if you're in a roto league or you're not punting free throw percentage in a head-to-head league, you cannot draft Andre Drummond, which makes it hard to label him as a stud. But if you are punting free throw percentage, the real stud on this team is Andre Drummond. A bust, I could honestly, I mean, I could see Stanley Johnson being a bust, actually. You know, they have Tobias Harris to stretch for. They got Marcus Morris. Um, Stanley Johnson's a backup small forward. They have Contavious Caldwell-Pope at shooting guard. Maybe they can play Stanley Johnson at shooting guard to get him more minutes. But I think that Stanley Johnson needs to take that next step in his development. And the only way he's going to do that is by getting significant, consistent playing time, which I'm not sure he might, he'll get as much as fantasy owners will want him to get on this team. So that's why I think that Stanley Johnson could be the bust um, because of his playing time. Um, so that's why I have the Pistons um, third in the Central Division. I gave him a B-plus for the offseason. I have him at 47-35, so I actually have him tied with the Pacers, with the Pacers, I guess, you know, theoretically winning um, the second spot in the division due to a tiebreaker, but it could be it could flip-flop. So I am high on the Pistons. I know people are picking them to win 50 games. That's a, that's a hot take. Um, I believe they won 44 last year, so I'm predicting kind of a modest improvement of three. Um, could be anywhere from three to four wins. I think that just another year for this team to mesh and the improved bench will, will uh, result in a couple more wins. In fourth, I have the Chicago Bulls. Um, I gave them a D-plus for the offseason, and actually in my offseason recap notes from my uh, a couple of weeks ago, my one the note I had for the Bulls offseason was, ugh. How, if possible, do Wade, Rondo, and Butler fit? It's going to be one of the worst three-point shooting backcourts, possibly of all time, but definitely in the NBA, at a time when three-pointers are being prioritized and teams are building a three-pointed oriented backcourt and team with stretch fours. Yes, I mean, they're going in the opposite direction of the trend. The trend is three-point shooting, spreading the floor, spread, uh, you know, spread fours, power fours that can shoot the three, guards who can obviously shoot the three, and the Bulls are going in the opposite direction. If they start Taj Gibson at power forward, which the, I don't think they will, and they really they really can't. They need to start Miritich at the small at power forward for shooting. But if they start Taj Gibson at power forward, they have absolutely zero three-point shooters in that starting lineup. And even if you add Miritich to the starting lineup, they only have one three-point shooter in the starting lineup. The lanes are going to be crowded. Um, there's not going to be driving room for Rondo, Wade, and Butler. And also, Rondo, Wade, and Butler all need the ball in their hands. Rondo especially needs the ball in his hands to get his to pad his stats. Wade, we know, needs the ball in his hands. Butler um, fell off as a three-point shooter last year. He needs the ball in his hands. They're not spot-up shooters. They're not catch-and-shoot guys. They're not guys who spread the floor. Even if they have Miritich in the starting lineup, they have very, very little shooting throughout the team, and especially in the starting lineup. Um, now I'm not. I wasn't so gloomy on the Bulls offseason. I actually think I actually liked the move to get Robin Lopez and Jerry and Grant in the Rose trade. I think it was good to get rid of Rose. I mean, in hindsight, now that they brought in Rondo and Wade, you know, basically the same team. But I thought it was. I thought when they made the Rose deal, they were officially handing the reins over to, to Butler, um, or they were rebuilding. 
Um, so when they made the deal before the before free agency, I really liked what they were doing, getting rid of Rose, giving the team the Butler, and getting Robin Lopez and Jerry and Grant in return. Of course, they turned around and added Wade and Rondo and just made the offseason a disaster. Another question for the Bulls is, is Fred Hoiberg a capable coach? They had a disappointing season last year. A lot of people are doubting Hoiberg as a coach. Can he be the coach that controls the three egos of Rondo, Wade, and Butler? Can he implement a system that effectively uses those three guys that had some kind of three-point shooting? Has And I don't know. I mean, this team's not even going to be that great defensively, and I think they're going to be a disaster on offense. So a lot of concern for the Bulls. I'm not – I mean – they won 42 wins last season. They're gonna. They're worse now, even though they brought in the flashy names of Rondo and Wade. I have them at 40 and 42, uh, missing the playoffs. Um, I think the stud is Robin Lopez. I think he's a sneaky good big man. I'm targeting him in all, or in in my drafts if I can, because he's a big man that I think this year he could average 12, nine, and 12 points, nine rebounds, and a block and a half per game. And the thing with that is that you know it's not great numbers. I mean it's almost a double double. But the thing is that he gives you good enough blocks from the center position, and also his percentages don't kill you. He's a solid free throw shooter, and uh, he's just a good big man if you want to not kill your free throw percentage. The bust, I have the bust being the quote-unquote big three. Um, I have Rondo, Wade, and Butler being busts because depending on where you're drafting them, and a lot of people who play fantasy basketball just, you know, go, oh, these are flash names, big names, they're star players. Let's draft them pretty high. Uh, that's wrong. <laughs> um, you know, it can be argued that Rondo and Wade are no longer stars. Um, and, of course, as I just mentioned, all three of them need the ball in their hands. So I think that all three of them are going to take a reduced role, which significantly impacts their fantasy value. Wade will probably sit out some games to stay healthy for a run to the A seed, even though I don't think they're going to get it. Rondo's a, is, Rondo is a – see, the thing with Rondo is that when you watch him play, you're frustrated because he doesn't give effort on defense, especially last season in Sacramento. He did not play defense, was not a good – contributor on the court but he got his stats the guy padded his stats like crazy on Sacramento he might do the same thing in Chicago once it's you know discovered that they're not going to make the playoffs and Butler I just think is just he's adding these two guys is really going to impede his development so I have the Bulls fourth in the central of 40 and 42 and my fifth team in the central is the Milwaukee Bucks I gave them a B for the offseason um I thought that they had a really nice signing of, of Matthew Delvadova, and I like the Mirza Teletovic signings, um, and they really didn't have any key losses um, unless you want to consider Jared Bayless a key loss because he went to the 76ers. So I was I was actually high on the Bucks. I was actually going to, you know, I was going to have them ahead of the Bulls in my prediction until the Chris Middleton injury came out. So if you haven't known, Chris Middleton is, I think, a torn quadricep. He's going to be out month, a couple of months, um, and that's devastating because... They have no shooting on this team now. Uh, another thing they did in the offseason, I'll get to the no shooting thing in a second. I'm just going to run down what they did in the offseason. Uh, they re-signed Point Giannis to a four-year, $100 million year. That's Giannis and Nkupo. Uh, they re-signed him to a four-year, $100 million deal. It's actually not the max, and Giannis admitted that he was willing to take less so they can build a good team around him. That's exactly what you want to hear from your young star. And they, just a couple weeks ago, traded Tyler Ennis, um, the Syracuse point guard, shout out to Syracuse University, my college. So they traded Tyler Ennis to my favorite team, the Houston Rockets, for uh, Michael Beasley. And I guess that's what they're going to do. <laughs> um, yeah, so people were just like, you know, what is this move? I mean, Beasley's not a good shooter. He's a scorer. He's a scorer, but he's not going to have the ball in his hands, especially with Giannis there. Um, so I don't know what they were doing there. It's kind of like an LOL move, desperation move from the Bucks. 
the rumors have been circulating that they're trying to move Monroe um, or Michael Carter-Williams for a shooting guard. They've been linked to Jeremy Lamb from Charlotte and Ben McLemore from Sacramento, two guys who I still don't think get them anywhere close to what they would have been with Middleton, but they're just so desperate for some kind of shooting. They're so desperate that they're going to probably have to start Mirza Toledovic at small forward. So, I mean, Mirza Toledovic is best as a, as a spread the floor power forward, but they're so desperate for shooting. They got Jabari Parker at, at power forward. They're going to have to start Mirza Toledovic on, at small forward, and that could be a concern as well. So with all that being said, I was higher on the Bucks until the Middleton injury came out, but that made me knock them down a little bit. I think they'll be 36 and 46 which is an improvement by a couple games over last season because I actually like the Della Vadova and Mirza signings. Um, the stud, I think, is going to be Giannis. I think he's going to take that next step. They saw how good he was as a point guard or point forward or more like point Giannis um, last season. He was just an absolute fantasy stud after the All-Star break. Multiple triple-doubles, just just a beast. Um, I think they're going to give him the reins. I think that what they should do is ha- start Della Vadova at, uh, in the starting lineup so that Giannis can be the point Giannis the entire time because Delva Dover is the only point guard on their roster that can catch and shoot because Michael Carter-Williams can't do that. So I think Delva Dover really needs to start a point guard to really hand the reins to point Giannis. And I think the bus could be... I want to say Mirza Toledovic because he's going to be playing small forward, but I want to say also Jabari Parker um, or Greg Monroe. So you know what? Mirza Toledovic is not going to be a bust because you're really not going to be targeting Mirza Toledovic. I think that the real bust is going to be Jabari Parker or Greg Monroe. So for Parker, I mean, I think he needs to develop, and I think Mirza Toledovic at times could get more minutes because they're going to need that shooting. So unless Parker develops that three-point shot, I think he's going to struggle to get significant minutes um, when the team needs some shooting around Giannis. Um, Delva Dova is really the only other shooting guy who can shoot in the starting lineup. Uh, Greg Monroe, we obviously know he was moved to the bench last season. I think that unless Monroe is traded, and I actually have Monroe on a fantasy team, so I'm hoping he's traded to get a bigger role, but unless he gets that bigger role, unless there's injuries on the team, if he keeps coming off the bench and only getting 25 minutes a night, he's going to be a bust for what Monroe should be and what he used to be, actually. Monroe... Two years ago, Monroe was a prized free agency acquisition from, by the Bucks, And now, less than a year later, they were already trying to trade him last season. They were trying to trade him during the offseason. There have been so many reports that they're trying to trade him now for players like Jeremy Lamb and Ben McLemore. Are you kidding me? There's something about Monroe, man. He's got so much talent. He could be so good. He was really underrated and, and solid on, that, on the Detroit Pistons. And he comes to the Bucks and just destroys their de- defense last season. And now he's, he wants to get – they want him to get the hell out of, the, out of Milwaukee. So, that was just a quick rundown of my Milwaukee Bucks preview. Um, so, again, I have the Cavs in first with 56 and 26. The Indiana Pacers second at 47 and 35. The Pistons, again, uh, also at 47 and 35 in the third seed. The Bulls at fourth with 40 and 42. And the Bucks at fifth at 36 and 46. Uh, early in the episode, if you missed it, we previewed the Northwest Division with Alex Propolis, who's an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. I thought he provided great um, analysis and intake on some of the young, exciting teams in one of the most exciting divisions in the NBA to watch next season. Again, I'm your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. Um, you can find the show on Twitter, at The 94 Feet Report. You can find the show on Facebook, The 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. We now have a Facebook page. Um, we are on Blog Talk Radio. If you find it on my Twitter or the show's Twitter, you'll find the link to to follow us on Blog Talk Radio. Our show is on iTunes as well. If you go on iTunes uh, and Stitcher, if you listen to those, if you use those two platforms to listen to podcasts, you search the 94 Feet Report Basketball Podcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher or Blog Talk Radio, whatever you want to listen to. Mondays at 10 p.m., we are on All in Sports Talk Radio Network Live, 10 p.m. on Mondays, reviewing the NBA this 
this show is uh, a radio show on all in Sports Talk Radio Network. Uh, you can find my other work on The Dream Shake on SB Nation, which is a Houston Rockets-affiliated blog on SB Nation. I write feature posts, game recaps, daily links posts. So if you're a Rockets fan out there, you should be uh, reading The Dream Shake on SB Nation. I'm also an analyst and insider for NBA Lead, which is an up-and-coming digital media platform that's going to a we're doing currently doing team previews, so I've already previewed the Rockets, the Clippers, and the Trailblazers. Um, we're going to have a lot of great content coming out on NBA Lead, so you got to be sticking and tuning into NBA Lead. Just a final reminder that this show um, and all episodes of the 94 Feet Report are brought to you by Fan Essentials. I mentioned it in the beginning of the show. Fan Essentials is a great monthly subscription service. You really need to check it out. It's uh, fanessentials.com, I believe. Uh, each month, you can choose your favorite team from the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and I think MLS is coming uh, coming soon. You choose your favorite team. You choose your subscription package. I think they're small, medium, and large in terms of box size. And each month, you get a box of your favorite team's gear shipped right to your door. It's unique items you really can't buy anywhere else. It's cool. It's fun. I've tried it out for the Rockets. It's a great subscription service. you got to be checking it out if you're a passionate sports fan. And actually, if you use the promo code 94FEET, that's the numbers 9 and 4, and then FEET in all caps, at checkout, you'll get 30% off your first month of Fan Essentials. So really go check out Fan Essentials. Use the promo code 94FEET for 30% off. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is the 94FEET Report on All In Sports Talk Radio Network, as well as Blog Talk Radio. Thank you guys for listening uh, to this episode. We'll be back next week live on All in Sports Talk Monday at 10 p.m., uh, hopefully with another guest previewing the NBA with the, with the season right around the corner. Preseason has started. Teams are looking good. Some teams not looking so good. The Rockets look good. Uh, so we'll be talking about the preseason next week um, now that we've finished our, pre- our divisional previews. If you missed any of our divisional previews, you can find our episodes on blogtalkradio.com or on iTunes. We've previewed now all of the divisions in the NBA. So um, check the site out or check iTunes or Stitcher for those previous episodes if you missed those. So, guys, thank you for listening. I'm Eric Spropolis. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. This is the 94 Feet Report. Thank you for listening. Have a great week, guys. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.